This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by the Zona Plus, a new effective non-drug treatment for high blood pressure. It's been a long time since I've been this excited about a new natural medical innovation. Zona Plus is the real deal. It's a safe, easy way to lower your blood pressure naturally. To find out more, go to tryzonanow.com or call toll-free 1-866-669-9662. Be sure to mention Dr. Hoffman and you'll get a $50 savings and free shipping. That's 1-866-669-9662 or tryzonanow.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're going to take you to the frontiers of uh, cancer therapy. We're going to talk to uh, a luminary uh, in this field, uh, a revolutionary thinker, uh, who has some uh, uh, very uh, forward-thinking and highly controversial views on uh, the way we should treat uh, cancer. Uh, We gave you a preview of this uh, in uh, some recent uh, podcasts where we talked about ketogenic diet uh, for cancer. Uh, today we're going to talk to one of the foremost proponents of ketogenic diet for cancer. Uh, he's Dr. Thomas Seafried. Uh, he is uh, renowned in the field of cancer research, and he was recently featured in the New York Times Magazine uh, in a fascinating article uh, entitled, An Old Idea, uh, Starve Cancer to Death. Uh, and this is an article that uh, really got a lot of hits uh, in the time, so it's actually very propitious uh, that we have him on uh, shortly thereafter uh, to provide a more in-depth account of uh, his views on cancer as a metabolic disease. Um, his uh, findings show that a combination of ketogenic diet, uh, sometimes accompanied by hyperbaric oxygen therapy, can work synergistically without major side effects to fight cancer. And uh, it's uh, an old idea that's uh, reborn. Dr. Seifert is a professor of biology at Boston College and author of the book Cancer as a Metabolic Disease, uh, which is, um, well, it's a book for enlightened laypeople, but actually it's a very, very uh, uh, profound and technical uh, scientific treatise, uh, very uh, lengthy and detailed, uh, which uh, details uh, why he thinks that we may have taken a wrong turn in our approach to cancer and that uh, there may be better ways to go about it. So without further ado, here's Dr. Seyfried. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Well, thank you very much, uh, Ron. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, uh, okay, so this is not a new idea. This is actually an old idea uh, that dates back to a German uh, scientist named Otto Warburg, the winner of uh, a Nobel Prize. So uh, how is it that this old idea uh, is being resurrected? Well, I mean, <clears throat> he, he had studied a series of tumors um, with some very sophisticated biochemical techniques at that time, and, and these techniques are still uh, considered um, uh, effective in analyzing tumor metabolism. And he, he found that um, basically all the different kinds of tumors that he looked at had a propensity to uh, produce large amounts of lactic acid, uh, lactate, uh, um, uh, a breakdown product of, uh, of, of glucose 
metabolism. Actually, call it lactic acid fermentation. But the interesting observation was that this was being produced in the presence of oxygen. And it's well known in biochemistry that um, uh, many, many cells to stay alive will, will ferment lactic acid in low oxygen levels. It's just part of, of staying alive. Some cells can do this for long periods of time. Other cells can do it for short periods of time. But usually when oxygen comes back into the environment, the production of lactic acid usually uh, disappears, and that's referred to as the Pasteur effect, discovered and, dis and uh, elucidated by Louis Pasteur. Um, but the strange thing about the tumor cells was, as Warburg noted, they continue to, to produce lactic acid even in the presence of oxygen, which is an anomaly. It, should, it shouldn't happen. And then he went on to ask, you know, how, wh how is this happening? How, how does a tumor, why a tumor continues to produce this, this waste product that should be fully oxidized, yet it's dumped out into the microenvironment? How, how is it, what's responsible for this behavior? And he concluded that the respiratory capacity of, of the tumor cell was in some way inefficient or abnormal. And uh, this abnormality ultimately led to this um, inefficient use of fuel, which was in his studies was mostly glucose. So um, then the, the, uh, it was recognized by more and more scientists that yes, many, many tumors, almost all tumors, not all, but, but almost all, do, do produce this, this lactic acid. And um, then, the, then it set off a whole uh, you know, response, what is responsible? And Warburg clearly said, and provided hard evidence to show that this was due to abnormalities in the mitochondria. And this is where the controversy is today. Because if, this, if Warburg is right that this is a mitochondrial problem that makes efficient energy in our cells, then this is where the focus is. The origin of cancer is due to dysfunctional respiration. The cells then ferment. So therefore, the cells will have a, better, a, a, a greater use for fermentable fuels. And therefore, if we can target the availability of fermentable fuels, we can develop non-toxic therapies for cancer. And, and this, this is quite this a, this, I'm sorry, and th this is quite a, a contrast to our current paradigm for dealing with cancer because we're, this is uh, uh, metabolic uh, medicine as opposed to uh, what's termed molecular biology, where they target, you know, some specific uh, sequence, or they do a genetic analysis on a tumor, uh, and they try to fire a magic bullet to uh, interrupt uh, the uh, growth of the cancer. Uh, but this is a different kind of approach that attempts literally to uh, uh, starve the cancer and, and maybe more generalized over many cancer types. Yes, I mean, this is the... Um it's a singular disease of energy metabolism. So regardless of where the tumors come from, whether it's the brain, the breast, the colon, the bladder, um, these cells uh, manifest a common pathophysiological problem. They ferment. So uh, in the presence of oxygen. So well, they shouldn't do this. So, uh, so the question then becomes, what are these cells uh, using? Because the cell can't divide unless it has the capability of obtaining protein, lipid, and nucleic acid. They have to re rebuild their, their DNA and their RNA. They have to build new proteins for enzymes, and they, and they have to build cell walls, membranes, membranes. And this is all coming from the synthesis of these, of these molecules. But in order to 
in order to uh, divide and develop and, and proliferate, uh, they need an energy source. And, and the energy source for these tumor cells is, in large part, fermentation fuels. So then the, then the question becomes, what do the cells use to, what, is the, what are the, uh, the fuels available for fermentation that can allow the cells to divide? And that becomes glucose and glutamine. Mm-hmm. And these two fuels are usually present in an abundance in the microenvironment of the tumor cells. So you can throw the kitchen sink at these tumor cells and yes, you can kill a lot of them using very toxic radiation and poisonous chemicals. You will, in fact, kill many tumor cells because you're targeting the dividing DNA and therefore you're blowing everything out. However, these cells can still survive uh, as long as they have these, the availability of fermentable fuels. And we don't seem to be targeting. Uh, where the strategies that we're using today um, don't even know or don't even consider this as the possibility. So uh, our view is that if you can remove these fermentable fuels, these tumor cells will die because there's no other, uh, other available fuel in sufficient quantity in the microenvironment that would give uh, enough fuel uh, for these cells to divide. The, 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 the really disturbing uh, problem is that many of the standards of care for cancer, uh, high-dose radiation and chemicals, um, damage the local microenvironment uh, freeing up uh, these fermentable fuels. And oftentimes steroids are used to reduce inflammation, which elevates blood glucose levels. And these are, So in other words, the things that we're doing to, to manage cancer today are in, in part counterproductive to the overall well-being and success of the therapies. And we have some uh, modern clues as to the, the potential of this therapy, clues that weren't around in the time of uh, Otto Warburg, who uh, basically wrote in the 30s and 40s, uh, we have the PET scan. What does the PET scan tell us about uh, glucose utilization by cancer cells? Well, you know, the PET, PET scan, one has to be careful um, about that because in some of the inflammatory conditions, normal cells will be taking up more glucose as well as tumor cells. But, you know, people often refer to the PET scan as evidence that the tumor cells are uh, u- utilizing a, 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 an amount of, of glucose uh, because you use fluorodeoxyglucose as your, as your, um, uh, your marker for uh, allowing the instrument to detect the fo- foci of tumor cells that seem to be taking in more glucose. And in, in some ways, this is an example of, uh, of, the, res- of, the, um, of the need or the utilization, I should say, of an excessive amount of glucose uh, because you're collecting the marker, you're collecting the non-metabolizable glucose analog in the tumor cells, and now this is giving, gi- giving you a, a, a signal that's picked up in the PET scan. And you see it in a greater extent in uh, those cells that are differentially uh, expressing um, uh, or uh, having a differential need for glucose relative to the less... Uh, uh, the cells, the normal cells in the micro, in the background, the background cells that are not using glucose to the same extent, and this separates then the the metastatic uh, cancer cells, those that have spread to different organs, from from the the local background. Yes, yeah, so that's one indication, but it's not the only indication. And where there's also uh, now the mainstreaming of uh, metformin or glucophage as a means of preventing or uh, as an adjunctive therapy for, for cancers, and that's something that also works on sugar metabolism. Well, that's complicated. Um, metformin 
we think working primarily by stressing the uh, mitochondrial, the little mitochondrial function that the tumor cells have, uh, we think that metformin is working through uh, creating maybe reactive, a little bit more reactive oxygen species. Metformin cannot get blood glucose down uh, to the levels. Yeah, that would be needed to actually kill tumor cells by starving them of glucose. Uh, it seems that metformin may act as a mild uh, mitochondrial poison that the cancer cells might be a little bit more susceptible to uh, than the normal cells. But you're not going to resolve cancer by, uh, by metformin by itself. So the answer is not just reducing sugar, you know, maybe a, a lower carb diet, but a more extreme version which is the ketogenic diet. So talk to us about that. Well, the, key, yeah, the ketogenic diet is one, um, is one strategy, uh, one therapeutic strategy that can uh, target the availability of glucose. And um, when the glucose, because you can push glucose levels down, everything depends, uh, I should say a lot depends on maintaining a brain function. And right. the brain is, uh, uses the major- majority of the, of the glucose. It's the singularly largest consumer of glucose in our body. Uh, but we evolved as a species to transition away from uh, uh, glucose or carbohydrate to a fat-based uh, diet. But the fats themselves cannot be used by the brain. But the brain breaks the fats down into ketone bodies, which are water-soluble fat breakdown products. And the brain then can uh, replace... Uh, glucose as a, uh, as a, and use the ketone bodies as an alternative fuel. So if the brain can remain functional, uh, you can push blood sugars down because the rest of the cells in the body will also use these ketone bodies or fats. The heart and some other organs will use fatty acids. So you can shift the energy metabolism in the body away from carbohydrate uh, to fat or fat breakdown products. And the tumor cells have a great difficulty using ketone bodies for energy because they have um, uh, defective respiration. So, so they, they require uh, basically glucose and glutamine, which is an amino acid. Um, and together, these two fuels uh, will, will keep these tumor cells alive. But the ketogenic diet is one half of the solution. And that is if we can starve them of their carbohydrate source and starve them of their glutamine source, then these tumor cells uh, should be unable to grow. Uh, d- they will die. They should not be able to grow as fast and, uh, and could potentially lead to the resolution. And, and you keep mentioning uh, glutamine, and glutamine is actually sometimes used as a nutritional supplement. Uh, it's sometimes used even in uh, cancer care because it's thought to be something that uh, can help to repair the gastrointestinal tract in patients who have uh, GI side effects from uh, chemotherapy. It's actually on hospital formularies. You're saying that uh, using glutamine as a supplement could potentially feed cancer? We know that um, glutamine is given, yes, not only for the reasons that you just stated, but also to um, rebuild the immune system um, from from the damage from from the treatments that were given to the individuals. Um, yeah, and and we and others have uh, shown that the metastatic cell, the cell that spreads through your body, uh, that will eventually that eventually leads to the majority of deaths either from the spread of the tumor cells or the toxic treatments used to try to kill these cells, um, these cells are part of our immune system. They are fused macrophage hybrids. They, mm-hmm. they arose in the original tumor site, 
in their attempts to heal the, the growing inflamed region around the tumor, uh, these cells um, naturally use tremendous amounts of glutamine. So glutamine is a major fuel uh, for not only uh, the proliferation of these cells, but for the energy of these cells. And these cells evolved to use glutamine. They use glucose as well, but they have a tremendous demand for glutamine. So, so the question is, yes, glutamine is used as a supplement to rebuild uh, damaged digestive tract, or rebuild the immune system. And the question is, why are we doing that? Why, why would we treat any human being with a toxic drug that would cause digestive problems, hair loss, or any other kinds of things uh, that would put this individual <laughs> at, at, at risk for either recurrence of the disease or now for a whole series of new maladies that the person never had but for the fact that they were subjected to these toxic uh, therapies. So if you know that the metastatic cell is using glucose and glutamine to survive, isn't it more logical to try to go after these molecules than to try to uh, damage uh, the proliferative DNA aspects of the cells, which is what most of these toxic drugs and radiation is doing? Indeed. Well, so you're saying that, uh, okay, ketogenic diet, that might be a very low-carb diet with primarily fat as a fuel source, uh, but surely some proteins are rich in glutamine. So the diet that uh, you might recommend for a cancer patient might be specially adapted to provide protein uh, in a form where glutamine is minimal? Yeah, I mean, glutamine, it's, it's so much easier for us to target the availability of glucose than it is for us to target the availability of glutamine. Uh, glutamine is the most abundant amino acid in our body. It, it's a non-essential amino acid because we can get it from the diet, uh, or, or we can we can actually synthesize it from right. glutamate. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but but it's it's plays such an important role in the urea cycle and in ammonium uh, transport and all this uh, anaplerosis, anaplerotic, and the different different cells of our body that is providing uh, nutrients for the synthesis of enzymes and things like this. So, uh, targeting glutamine is uh, a little bit more tricky and uh, uh, challenging uh, than tar is targeting glutamate or uh, targeting glucose. glucose. Sorry, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think if it's a insurmountable problem. I think this could be uh, uh, recognized, and, and, and but very few people are focusing on this. So as you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, they're focusing on, on uh, immunotherapies and targeted gene therapies and precision medicine. If we took all of that intellectual power and shifted it onto the right target, the, the, this problem would not be uh, as nearly uh, problematic as it is today. There's just very few people focusing on this. Well, you're not solely a proponent of uh, diet therapy for cancer. You're not like, uh, you know, a, a Massachusetts version of the Hippocrates uh, Institute where you think, you know, patients should come, go and get a, on a ketogenic diet, and that's the sole answer to cancer. That's what I think I'm hearing you say. Yeah. You're, you're also yeah. talking about using the diet, but also maybe developing uh, medical strategies or perhaps nutritional supplement strategies uh, which uh, block these pathways that ultimately starve the cancer cell. And, and you're saying that some of these may be at hand and some of these are yet to be developed. Yes. So it's the, the ketogenic diet, uh, I, I've worked on this for a long time. Um, I don't consider a cure for cancer. No, we have never published a paper saying the ketogenic diet will cure, will cure cancer. Does the ketogenic diet slow the problem? That, yes, it does. Does it uh, reduce inflammation? Yes, it does. It has a lot of, does it uh, target uh, angiogenesis that strike? Yes. 
if it's done right. The ketogenic diet is a medical therapy. It's a medical food. It should, it should have the same respect as any, any powerful drug because it, it has that effect. But is it by itself going to resolve the cancer issue? I don't think so. Maybe a few people can get resolution with the diet alone, but I don't think most people will. And most of the people that we've encountered don't. But do they delay the tumor growth? Absolutely. But if, you're going, if we're going to resolve the cancer issue, it has to be a combination of both the diet used as a, as a medicine, a diet as medicine, food as medicine, which is the concept of the Hippocrates uh, strategy. But at the, on the other hand, we need to work with drugs that work synergistically with this diet. And we have to create an environment that is non-toxic to the normal cells of the body. So this is why hyperbaric oxygen is viewed as a synergistic uh, therapy that can be used with the ketogenic diet. And we are now beginning to explore a whole sequence and range of other add-ons. And I call this the press pulse uh, strategy. I'm working on a manuscript now on this. And we use the diet as a press that puts the entire tumor cell population under, under a greater metabolic stress than the normal cells. And then we use a strategy of drugs that come together to target further glucose and glutamine availability. But it must be done in such a scheduling and sequence that it doesn't harm the patient. The key question is, can you achieve success and, and management of this disease without producing adverse side effects? That is the problem today for the majority of the cancer therapies. And the answer, I believe, is yes. Indeed. Well, this is a good point at which to pause because our listeners uh, know that we divide our podcast into two parts, and we've laid the groundwork for a discussion of a ketogenic diet. And in part two of today's interview with Dr. Thomas Seafried, uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, some of these, uh, you know, as you say, these uh, press pulse uh, strategies, uh, the use of adjunctive uh, drugs, uh, hyperbaric oxygen in conjunction with the ketogenic diet. We'll hone in a little bit on what is a ketogenic diet and what the resources are uh, to help people follow it uh, in part two of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. So please join us as we continue our discussion with Dr. Thomas Seafried. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine.